wrestling fans, you're listening to Wrestling with Johnners. Here's your host, John Scott. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Johnners. This is episode 78, and uh, I've got a very special guest co-host on the line, and we'll uh, introduce you to that uh, guest very, very soon. Uh, this week, as always, we're going to cover this week's uh, NXT on the USA Network and AEW Dynamite. Uh, we also want to cover quite an interesting talking point that's been doing the rounds and uh, quite literally uh, made a dent in the internet on Tuesday night or Wednesday, if you're over here in the UK, and that was the return, uh, quote, unquote of CM Punk and we'll talk about him very very soon but just throw out my plugs like I do every single episode so you know where to find us on social media on Twitter of course you can find us on Twitter at with Johnners underscore pod that's at with Johnners underscore pod on Instagram we're on there as well so that's instagram.com forward slash wrestling with Johnners and go out and search our ever popular fun friendly and interactive Facebook community page just search for wrestling with Johnners that's Johnners spelled J-O-H-N-E-R-S and of course if you enjoy listening to this podcast please don't forget to hit subscribe so that you can be notified every time a new episode drops uh, you can find wrestling with Johnners on all popular podcast platforms including Apple Google Podcasts Spotify Podbean and YouTube. Uh, we've been doing a lot of work on our YouTube page uh, of late, so uh, you can go onto YouTube and check all of our audio podcast content and all of our video podcast content as well, and tons of exclusive content, uh, including my vlogs from all the wrestling shows that I've been to over the last couple of years and tons more. Uh, the, 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 we, I, I believe that we're the, the number one podcast for all of your weekly NXT and AEW Dynamite recaps, along with WWE and AEW pay-per-view reviews and exclusive interviews and so much more. So please spread the word. Uh, but please uh, get your friends to uh, subscribe to Wrestling with Johnners. Get your family in there as well. Give us a follow on all of our social media pages and subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channels. Help to grow uh, this podcast and get even more people listening to the best kept secret in the world of podcasting. The rest and Majonis podcast, you know it makes sense. So, on to our special guest host for episode 78. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to uh, Darren Kirkby, uh, otherwise known as Mags. Uh, so, Mags, uh, welcome to the Wrestling Majonis podcast, buddy. How are you today? Um, I'm amazing. I'm just uh, so pleased to, and honoured to, to be a guest on the show. Yeah, uh, since we uh, since we land up the. Uh, the episode, I've been really excited to to get on there and talk a bit of wrestling with you. No, well, uh, I've been looking forward to this as well. And of course, um, you're a busy guy, not only on social media, but in the podcasting world, because you've got three podcasts on the go. Now, we were talking off air, uh, but you've got three podcasts on the go. You've got Badlands podcast. Uh, you've got Why We Watch podcast and you've got Five Rounds podcast. So all different kind of subject matter, uh, all fun, friendly uh, podcasts. But to tell us a little bit about each of those. I mean, Badlands is your kind of uh, wrestling based podcast, but uh, that's based around kind of like um, Mount Rushmore topics, isn't it? So tell us a bit about your three podcasts then, uh, Mags. Yeah, uh, Badlands is the the newest podcast uh, that I've got. I've uh, been doing it for uh, about, I think we've done about 30, maybe 40 episodes of it. Uh, yeah, we, we, we 
me and my uh, tag team partner on that podcast, uh, Paul Toller, we uh, discussed the, the Mount Rushmore's of wrestling. Uh, but we don't just like take the, the normal Mount Rushmore of the greatest wrestler of all time. We had like a, a different spin on it every week. We have a, like a different topic. Uh, for instance, we've just had one, uh, the Mount Rushmore of wrestling occasions. Uh, and then we've had the Mount Rushmore of title belts. We've had the Mount Rushmore of female wrestlers of 2019. So we have like a different spin on it every week. We uh, we have a, a different guest on every week. And it's just a, a, a little bit of fun banter about about wrestling, I think there's sometimes wrestling can be taken a little bit too seriously, and we like to bring the fun back into it. Yeah, um, it sounds like good pub conversation, the sort of thing you talk around a, a pub table with a pint, you know, who's on your Mount Rushmore of wrestlers or tag teams or managers. Uh, it sounds like a really, really interesting podcast, but uh, tell us about some of your others. Yeah, uh, the, the uh, you know, the absolutely a brilliant way to describe it. I haven't really looked at it like that before. Though. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the the next one is uh, the the non wrestling one. It's uh, five rounds. Uh, that's a kind of like a little passion project between me and my son. Uh, basically, I got all the podcasting set up, and, and my son and I we are avid avid uh, lovers of, of UFC. Uh, so we decided we put why not put this podcasting equipment to use and and just. Uh, give our thoughts and opinions on each uh, UFC event. And it's kind of gone from strength to strength after that. Uh, it's kind of like a, a, a bonding thing between me and my son. And, it, and, it's, and it's grown into like being a fully-fledged podcast. Awesome. And then the last one, and the it's my baby. It's the, the reason why I got into podcasting in the first place. Uh, it's why we watch. Um, I speak to wrestling fans wrestling uh content creators and and even people in the wrestling industry about why they love wrestling what what they like about wrestling what they don't like about wrestling um yeah just to have a chat with with wrestling fans because that that's my whole ethos about wrestling it's something that you can you talk about around the water cooler and that's basically what why we watch is a, a chat between wrestling fans about how amazing this wacky world of professional wrestling is. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, well, I'll definitely be checking those out and I recommend to my listeners that you check those out as well. They all sound fantastic. I love the, love the concept of the Badlands podcast as well, the Mount Rushmore's. And uh, yeah, whenever we have listener questions, quite often there's a question in there like, who's your Mount Rushmore of wrestlers or tag teams or WCW wrestlers? And uh, it's always good. But um, th- Mags, tell me a little bit about your wrestling fandom then. So uh, w- w- when did you first, do, do you have a recollection as far as when you first came across wrestling um and, and kind of what 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 are your kind of memories of getting into wrestling at an early age yeah uh i do have very very vivid um, memories of of how i got into wrestling it was through my gran uh, she was one of the first people who we knew to get scar uh, so it was like the cool thing and i used to spend a lot of weekends uh, at my grandma's and she loved wrestling. She absolutely adored it. So that meant that I did. Uh, so around about, I would have been about eight that I can vividly remember. We used to sit down and on the way it went on Sky was that it, they would have like all the, the compilation shows, the, the likes of Wrestling Challenge, uh, WWF Superstars, WWF All-American Wrestling. And they'd all be back to back. So they'd be like in a three to four hour block on a, on usually on a Sunday morning. So yeah, I'd be sat there with my gran watching uh, three, three, four hours of 
quality 80s WWF content. Sounds like a great way to spend a weekend anyway. And uh, who who are some of your favourites growing up and uh, who are some of your favourites now then, Darren? Yeah, well, around then, my grand's favourites were the likes of uh, Macho Man Randy Savage, um, Hulk Hogan, Jay the Snake Roberts. So naturally, they ended up being my favourites. As I've grown and and, uh, got my own taste, uh, I'm a... I was a big Stone Cold Steve Austin fan, uh, a massive fan of The Rock to the to the point where I got a Brahma Bull tattoo. Um, and, but to be, if I were to be pinned down to to a favourite wrestler, it's always going to be Chris Jericho. I think that guy is 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 on my Mount Rushmore of wrestlers at the very very top. The way he can just reinvent himself, the way that he's stayed relevant for so long. Uh, yeah, he's just an absolute living legend. Yeah, and one of the posts I put on our uh, Wrestling with Jonas Facebook community page over day was uh, I was interested to find other people's opinion on Chris Jericho and whether he can seriously be in the conversation for being one of, if not the greatest wrestler of all time. I mean, he's been around. He's got a 29-year wrestling career. Um, and like you say, he's like the, the Madonna of wrestling. He's just reinvented himself, changed his style, changed his gimmick so many times, but he's always been able to get himself over, always been able to get that new, uh, that, that new gimmick or that new version of himself over. And for crying out loud, if he can get uh, a scarf and a light-up jacket over, um, then uh, you know you're on to a winner. But for 29 years, he's delivered. And uh, even more so now, he's probably even more popular and even more relevant now as the AEW World Champion. But what was your kind of thoughts on uh, on Le Champion, uh, AEW's Chris Jericho? Um, do you still like him today? I'm guessing that you're enjoying him being the AEW World Champion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, when he... Uh, when he left the, the the WWE the last time, I thought that that may have been his kind of swan song, but it just seems to have gone from strength to strength. And the fact that he's he's going to the likes of New Japan and and facing these these huge names and having these massive dream matches, and no disrespect to uh, the, the the rest of the team over there at AEW, I think they they've got a, an amazing roster. If he wasn't the champion, it it would take away a lot of the legitimacy of AEW. I think there's not enough praise given to the fact that Chris Jericho has put eyes and viewers onto AEW just by the fact that he's involved with them. Mm, totally agree and like I said I think this is my favourite incarnation of Chris Jericho I've got to say I absolutely love everything about him um, and because he's his kind of wrestling style has actually changed so much over the years um, he's kind of relying more on his comedy he's relying more on his heel tactics he's relying more on his kind of antics around the ring um, and I think that's kind of what's uh, endeared me more towards Chris Jericho the, the 2018 and 2019 Chris Jericho and I think he's just going to go from strength to strength to be honest with you and I'll I don't want to see him drop the championship anytime soon. I think he's really making that belt and uh, he's making AEW, uh, to be honest with you. I think he's really standing out. Um, but uh, let's let's switch the topic slightly then, Darren. Um, so this past Tuesday night on FS1, um, so for, for, for the first three or four weeks, they had it on a Friday, but they it, I think it was their debut episode on a Tuesday night on FS1. And I'm referring to WWE backstage. And uh, it, within the last 45 to 30 seconds of Tuesday's episode, you had Samoa Joe, Renee Young, 
NXT champion Adam Cole, Booker T and Paige in the ring. Uh, they were just kind of closing down the show. And then uh, Rene said something to the effect of um, WWE love to create moments and that it is their time to create their moments or a moment of their own. And then you get the music of Cult of Personality by Living Colour. And that is obviously the, the, the entrance music for one you know, very remarkable wrestler that we all remember, uh, none other than CM Punk. So CM Punk uh, comes out. He, he steps through into the ring, goes over towards the camera and says uh, just when they thought they had all the answers, he changes the culture and tells us that he will see us next week. So we haven't seen Punk anywhere near uh, a wrestling ring for you know anything of note, really, since he left WWE in January 2014. I think his last match was the Royal Rumble in January 2014. He's had uh, two very unsuccessful uh, matches in UFC. I'm sure Darren probably saw those <laughs> with his uh, uh, with his uh, hands in front of his face. Uh, Punk was, you know, he's been in a few movies. I think he's in a movie at the moment as, as well. Um, and uh, we're all aware he's very public at the fact that he auditioned for this role as a co-host on WWE Backstage. He wasn't shying away from the fact he spoke about it at StarCast just before All Out in August. And, uh, um, you know, he's very open to the whole experience, but we didn't expect for one minute um, that he would actually you know, get the gig or, or you do the gig um, until he came out, until we heard his music on Saturday night. And he literally blew up the internet. Now, um, you know, this gig with WWE Backstage is he's a Fox employee. He's not a WWE employee. He's a Fox employee. So although he's, he's going to be a regular fixture on this WWE show uh, as an analyst, um, he's under contract to Fox to work on FS1 for this backstage program and not under contract to WWE. But it has got a lot of minds racing. It has got a lot of tongues wagging as to whether we'll ever see him back in a wrestling ring and more importantly, whether we'll ever see him back in a WWE ring. So, Darren, I'm really interested to know your thoughts on everything that went down in this last 30 seconds of WWE backstage on Tuesday night. It did literally blow up the internet and it really got uh, wrestling fans, uh, casual um, or general, the more general audience out there, CM Punk fans, really excited at the prospect that he's going to be back on TV. And you never know, possibly one day back inside a wrestling ring. But uh, what what's your kind of thoughts and impressions on this one, buddy? Well, before we uh, before I touch on that, uh, I'll just give a little bit of context um, there was a long period of, of, of almost 10 years, I think it's around 10 years, that I stopped watching wrestling altogether. Um, mm. I kept up with it through, the, through like dirt sheets and through uh, wrestling websites, but I didn't actually watch the product. And that was from like 2006 to up to about 2016. So I kind of yep. missed, so missed all this, like, this punk like, era. So... Yep. So seeing it, like obviously, I've gone back and watched a lot of his, a lot of his work, and he's an incredibly talented wrestler. But I didn't have that emotional connection to him that someone who watched him at the time would have had. Um, so it's interesting seeing this like massive Ferrari about him all over Twitter. I mean, even before he came back to uh, to backstage, there's been this massive following that every time his name's mentioned is he coming back to WWE is he coming so, back so you're WWE? kind of looking at it with a fresh pair of eyes then really Darren yeah kind of yeah uh, but also for a little, some more context uh, I've somehow been blocked by him on Twitter for, <laughs> and I have absolutely no reason why because I've never or I can't remember ever speaking about him on Twitter but that's because you didn't watch him for 10 years Darren it must be because of that exactly <laughs> he exactly. knows you didn't watch him 
Yeah, but uh, then going on to, obviously, I know that there's this massive like, fan bait for him and everyone's yeah. clamouring for him to come back. Um, and then, obviously, he, he, he does pop up on uh, the Fox show uh, backstage. And, wow, it set Twitter absolutely on fire. Every news outlet has done video after video and report after report about it. Um, for me, personally, I'm glad the guy's back. Uh, he's obviously... He had a lot of issues with WWE. Uh, a lot of um, he left under a very, very dark cloud. I think the fact that he's he's under contract with Fox is a little bit irrelevant for me. Looking at it, like I said, from from uh, a fresh pair of eyes, if he was so, if he was still had this harbored this grudge over WWE, he wouldn't have anything to do with a WWE product at all, whether he was under a Fox contract or not. The fact that he's coming back and he's, he's willing to add to this WWE product, uh, it kind of it kind of feels like it's almost like an olive branch being reached out. And for me, that that's that signals that it's likely that we're going to see him back in, in the WWE in some format. Whether that's a match or not, I wouldn't know. But if, if it was it would be probably one of the biggest matches of the year. And I know that one of his issues when he uh, left WWE was that he never got to headline WrestleMania. Mm. Now, now that could be back on the cards. It really, really could. Yeah, definitely. That's an interesting point. He, and he, he always wanted that WrestleMania main event. And uh, I think he was he was in 2014. He was he was promised uh, that WrestleMania match with Triple H um, that uh, Daniel Bryan eventually uh, uh, ended up uh, having, and then going on to the main event and winning uh, winning the world title at the end of that very very memorable night in New Orleans in 2014. And I'm sure Punk looks back at that and thinking, well, what could have been? And uh, uh, although I know he's very friendly with Daniel Bryan, they kind of came up through. The Indies together, but uh, yes, and, and like I say, potentially he's got a second chance, uh, second bite of the cherry. Potentially he's got a second chance. I mean, I've seen all the backstage stuff and uh, all, the, all the YouTube clips from uh, from Fox on the YouTube page. And, you know, he looks quite relaxed. He looks happy. He knows he's going in there as an analyst. Uh, and uh, the interesting thing, he's going in there quite independent as well. He's not going to be towing the WWE line. He's not being paid by WWE to say what they want him to say. So it's going to be very interesting to, you know, he's going to be, he's always been very opinionated, even when he was with WWE. He's very, very opinionated. And I think that's probably what rubs a lot of people up the wrong way, to be honest with you. Uh, but going into this, um, you know, being given the, the instructions to be an analyst and to be independent and to be objective, I think it's going to be very, very interesting to see how it all kicks off next week. Now, I mean, recent. Uh, viewing figures for backstage have actually dropped quite a lot. And in fact, I think last week's episode only drew about 50,000 viewers. This week's episode did double that. It got close to just over 100,000 viewers, which uh, could be seen as a success from the 50,000 the week before. Now I'm expecting next week's numbers uh, to at least double that again. Um, who knows with his first proper appearance on WWE backstage. But the main interest, as I said, is that nobody knows what he might say. Um, is he going to go there? And I don't. I think he's too professional to going there and trash the WWE. I think he's just going to be objective. Um, he's going to, you know, say it how he sees it. Um, and he's not going to be towing the company line, not going to be towing the party line. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see uh, what he has to say for himself. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he's complimentary about the product and who he's complimentary about. Uh, but because he's quite an influential figure as well, Darren, uh, you know, if there's something that, that he doesn't 
quite agree with or he's quite opinionated about it could potentially sway um the product that we see on raw and smackdown each week because if you've got somebody as influential as cm punk saying well this isn't clicking or that's not clicking i think people are going to listen to him what do you think yeah i totally agree uh for for good or bad he, he has got that influence he has got that that following uh i think you're spot on with the with the how the viewers will will, will go up the, this next episode I, I honestly think they'll probably do more than double because people are itching to see what he's got to say and and whether he's going to drop any hints whether he's going to be uh back wrestling or not uh, another interesting point that came out a, a couple of days after he he'd uh, his appearance was the fact that he'd, he'd had like uh, a sit-down meeting with Tony Khan and he was offered what what's been um, stated as ridiculous money to to work for them. So it's interesting that he's turned that down to to go on on this analyst show for the WWE. It, it to to me that shows that he's still got that that love for the company there. Yeah, it's it's been like a kind of a, like a, a love hate relationship, but it's it it seems like he still wants to help the WWE product. He still wants to be a part of it. Uh, and I've, I've got a feeling that this is just the stepping stone for him to, to make his way back to uh, the main wrestling product. Yeah. And I think, you know, if, if, if the money's right, if the timing's right, um, if he can kind of rebuild the bridges with Vince McMahon, Triple H, Kevin Dunn, whoever else backstage, I think you know if that if that dream match, that WrestleMania match, potentially dare I say it, that WrestleMania main event with CM Punk versus whoever the champion might be or whoever the you know the top draw could be uh, next year or the year before, I think I think he could be swayed. Um, I think he's still got an itch there. I mean, for for many years after leaving the WWE, he always said and he went on record that he had no interest in wrestling. He never watched wrestling. He would get bored after. To watching just eight seconds of wrestling so how he's going to analyze hours and hours of wwe uh, is going to be interesting to see I, I think one reason why he's going to be able to analyze it and that's uh, um the green the money the moolah and i think that's going to uh, sway his uh, sway his thoughts on being able to sit down and watch uh, raw for three hours i wouldn't mind being paid uh, to watch uh, raw for three hours every <laughs> single week because it's hard to do it for free i'll tell you that but uh, um but no, best of luck to him. And I, I think, like I say, it's certainly the hottest talking point of the week. I think uh, next week is going to be much the same. I think that people are really going to be glued to their screens on Tuesday night or whenever we get a chance to see it. If we get a chance to see it, we'll, I'm sure we'll see snippets on YouTube um, to see what uh, Mr. Brooks has to say for himself and uh, who he likes, who he doesn't like, and what his opinions of things are in the current WWE product. So very, very interesting. Um, but uh, thank you for your thoughts on that, Darren. Uh, let's have a little look on uh, um, another big topic talking point of the week and that was this week's episode of AEW Dynamite uh, so th this is kind of like the the, the uh, fallout from Full Gear um, so did you get a chance to watch AEW Full, Full Gear their pay-per-view from Saturday night uh, if so what did you think of it? Yep I did uh, I thought it was a very solid pay-per-view um, I think a lot of the backlash over the Kenny Omega and uh, John Moxley uh, match is very perplexing. Uh, they wanted an uh, fans want an alternative to WWE. They got that alternative, and then the fans have, have gone up in arms about it. Uh, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a, a really, really good show. Um, my, I've been I've uh, been labelled on Twitter that I'm this person who, who is quite down on the AEW product, and that's literally not the case. I have been. The, the wrestling I've absolutely loved. Uh, I, what I don't like is is the fact that 
WWE's always in 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 their mouths and they're always having these pot shots. And I don't believe that I, that they need to be like that. I think that they've got arguably the best, the most talent rich roster in wrestling today. And yeah. I think they should be letting that speak for themselves. Uh, my other concern as well is that they don't kind of push the women's um, stories as much. Uh, I mean, we've got Rio as the as the women's champion and what an amazing talent she is. But what do we really know about her outside of, of AEW? They haven't given us that uh that kind of like backstory enough for me, I'm, and it's getting to the point where I'm having to go research myself to to know about it. And I don't think that a weekly product should be you should be basically having to set homework to find out about these these wrestlers. That's that should be the job of of the company. Uh, but all in all, yeah, uh, AW has been impressing me week on week. I've really enjoyed the product. Yeah, I've got to agree with you. And I, I do uh, agree with your sentiments regarding um, character development. You mentioned Ryu there. And um, yeah, it'd be nice to know the backstory or maybe get to see a little, some more vignettes or more character building uh, video packages to highlight some of these, these newer talents that we're not familiar with, let's be honest with you, um, until they start, started appearing on our TV screens um, uh, through the AEW uh, umbrella. But um, yeah, no, I, I thought, I mean, I was going to drop a podcast uh, a special review episode of full gear um but then uh, kind of life got in the way as as i like to say and um i wasn't able to in the end but i did see the show live i did watch it all the way through thoroughly enjoyed it so i've seen all the other shows and of course i've been reviewing all the other shows uh but um, yeah, the, the main event was very divisive in terms of the, the hardcore nature. Um, some people are saying it's probably the the, the hardest uh, death match ever to be seen or come out of North America. I'm sure there's been many more like it. But uh, it was kind of like uh, some people were, were kind of it was quite cringy. Some people were turning off. It was too much. Some people thought that it went on too long. Some people thought it was too violent, especially the use of the barbed wire, the the barbed wire uh, spider's web. Um, I, I did feel it, was, it got a little bit silly or a bit over the top when they brought out the the, the uh, mouse traps on the board. I thought yeah. that was unnecessary. So they probably could have cut that spot out and saved themselves five minutes. Um, I, I thought that the glass spot when they had broken glass uh, on on the canvas and John Moxley had to crawl over the glass uh, whilst he was in the Scorpion Deathlock. I th- thought that was very effective. Um, but uh, all in all, I thought it was definitely a thumbs up show and it, it got a lot of people talking, I think. And if you can get people talking, uh, like you say, around the water cooler about the show the following day, um, then that's only going to lead to extra eyeballs watching the next show. And uh, that certainly happened this week. But I thought it was a really good show. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I love the, the build-up to a lot of the matches. I thought the build-up to the Jericho-Cody Rhodes match was absolutely spot on. All the uh, video packages and all the interviews and all the vignettes they did. Um, so they promoted it like a, a, a proper 1980s Ric Flair versus Harley Race or Ric Flair versus Dusty Rhodes match. I felt that the build was absolutely fantastic. It made it feel special. Um, but uh, yeah, I loved everything about it, to be honest with you. And it has got people on the fence about full gear. Uh, I can understand the concerns. I can understand the kind of uh, the, the negativity about it um but so like you say that there's still quite an, an infant promotion still testing the waters with a few things um the lights out match the main event it was promoted as a as a lights out match a non-sanctioned match and that's certainly what we got um but as long as we don't get too many of those per year um i, I think that too many will probably be a bit of overkill to be honest with you so we'll see what they do there uh, but on this week's episode of dynamite 
Uh, we, we obviously see the full out, fallout from Full Gear, and there's a match that's going to be uh, promoted during this match. You've got the Jurassic Express versus the Dark Order, Pack versus Adam Cage in what I believe is their third matchup. They only had a match Saturday night at Full Gear, of course. So this is a rematch from that. And uh, a tag match, uh, Chris Jericho, Le Champion, and Sammy Guevara versus SCU for the tag team title. So we'll talk more about their matches very soon. Uh, to open the show, we get a video package showing Kenny Omega a few days after the lights out on sanctioned match uh, backstage um, uh, where he's being uh, kind of checked up on by doctors uh, with Kenny not being cleared to wrestle this week on AEW. However, he was given the news by the doctor that John Moxley, his opponent on Saturday night, was pretty beat up but was still cleared to wrestle and Kenny Omega looked pretty disappointed by that news. Uh, what were your thoughts on this kind of opening video package? Um, it was quite interesting to see Kenny getting checked up on by the doctors, seeing all of his scars and his his uh, you know his injuries, um, but uh, I, I thought it was uh, an interesting bit of footage. What were your thoughts on this bit? Yeah, um, I agree. I th- the first thing that 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 come to mind when I when I was watching it was how fake the black eye was. It literally just looked like he had black uh, makeup over the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm absolutely loving this this kind of downfall of of Kenny Omega um, when when. Uh, Omega was uh, it was confirmed he was going to be involved with AEW. Everybody thought he was going to be the the face, the top dog, and I'm really enjoying this almost like Nato esque kind of uh, redemption arc that is it, it, it seeming that is going on. He, he just can't build up enough momentum to to be that top dog. He, he can't live up to the status that of him being the best wrestler and, and he's, he's having these self-doubts. I think that's really a really interesting storyline and I, I fully applaud AEW for going down that route. Mm, no, I totally agree. And it, it's a very interesting story. It's a Kenny Omega that we're not used to seeing. Um, and uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, what how this develops further down the line. But it's, it certainly is kind of one of them very subtle storylines that they're developing. Uh, but I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it anyway. And then we go straight into our first match. Uh, we mentioned a moment ago about John Moxley, and he was in the first match against Michael Nakazawa. Now, uh, this match only went about one minute. Uh, I'm pretty sure it, it didn't go any longer than 60 seconds. Not even the baby oil that Nakazawa um, pulled all over his body could protect him against a paradigm shift. The dirty deeds as Moxley got the easy win here. And after the match, uh, John Moxley got on the microphone, and he asked if uh, that match uh, counted against his win-loss record. Uh, a bit of a tugging-in-cheek remark there from Mox. He said that uh, he told us exactly what uh, was going to happen at Full Gear and he delivered as promised and that Kenny Omega will never be the same again. He called Kenny a radical son of a bitch. Uh, Mox said that uh, he is on a pilgrimage to be the last man standing. Mox then throws out a challenge to anybody in the back and tells anybody willing to step in the ring with him to kiss any loved ones before they leave the house and to have a ham- have an ambulance on speed dial. Uh, when it's all over, nobody asking for any damn apologies. So a pretty solid promo. We, we, we seem to be getting some good promos on AEW, and this was another one here. Uh, and then we go straight into our, our next uh, match, Jurassic Express versus The Dark Order. So my only thoughts uh, when I was watching this match was uh, how much I was missing uh, Luchasaurus um, as much as I love Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt uh, doesn't quite live up to when Luchasaurus was uh, was fully fit uh, but I think we'll see a bit more from him in a minute in a minute uh, in this match um Grayson delivered a senton over the top rope clipping Stunt, who was laid on the ring apron, um, and the Dark Order really lay into Marco Stunt in this one. Uh, Marco did manage to get, uh, he managed to hit a spinning DDT on Evil Ono to eventually make the hot tag to Jungle Boy 
who gets a close near fall from a, like a backflip knee driver. Uh, and it was Marco Stunt who very nearly won the match for his team from a, a dragon runner on Grayson, only to have the count broken up by Ivalono. Uh, the, Dark, the Dark Order had the match won after delivering their fatality for an impressive win. And after the match, Ivalono gets on the mic to offer Marco Stunt a position as a creeper, one of their little minions. Uh, but uh, with, with both baby faces getting uh, the holy hell beaten out of them, uh, that was the, uh, the introduction for Luchasaurus. Luchasaurus came down, he couldn't take any more. He flattened all the creepers and to make the save for his two good friends, Marco Stunt and Jungle Boy. Uh, this was a fun match uh, and a fun cameo to end it off with uh, Luchasaurus. Uh, what, what were your thoughts on this one then, uh, Darren, and kind of how it all ended and uh, the kind of running from Luchasaurus to save the day? Yeah, I, I I can't not agree with with what you've said. I thought it was a, a, a really fun match. I actually am going against the, the 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 norm here, and I think the Dark Order are a really good tag team. I know they're getting a lot of grief on on social media. People aren't really clicking with them, and it almost seems like that they they could be the first like flop of AEW. But for me, I think they they're more vital than ever because. AEW's tag team division, whilst being absolutely stacked, is very, very face-heavy. There's not a lot of heel tag teams, and I think Dark Order filled that role really, really well. But the fact that Luchasaurus has got that massive property, he must be in the top three uh, biggest faces in AEW right now because the yeah. crowd absolutely loved everything that he did. Um, the Jurassic Express, how can you not love him? Even if you're the <laughs> most, even if you're the most yeah. jaded wrestling fan and you are bored of the product, they're just so fun. It's just absolutely fun. Yeah, and I'm so glad he's back. I just hope he hasn't come back a little bit too early. Mm. Well, he looked uh, fighting fit in this one and uh, agreeing with yourself. I'm a big fan of uh, the Lucha Express. I think they've got a uh, good look, good gimmick. I think that Jungle Boy's got a really good future. But honestly, I think Luchasaurus, you know, people can laugh at me for saying this, but I think he could be a, a potential champion. I think he's, he's got the size, um, you know, his tattoos. He's very muscular. He's got a great look, a great gimmick. Um, I just think he's, he's the package. And uh, having heard him in a few uh, interviews, he's definitely got the passion. And I think they could invest in him he's definitely one of the one of the future stars of the company as far as i'm concerned um and then our next match he got the chairman of AEW, Sean Spears, going up against... Uh, it's a, it's a three-man uh, match. This is uh, a triple threat. Uh, Sean Spears versus Peter Avalon uh, versus Darby Allen. Or Certainly, that's the way it started off anyway. But early into this match, we see Joey Janela come down uh, to the ring to attack Sean Spears. Of course, the two of them were opponents at Full Gear on Saturday. Um, this uh, The two kind of fought through the crowd and to the back, and then it kind of turned the match into a one-on-one -on -one match, with Darby Allen getting the quick pinfall win uh, from his coffin drop on Peter Avalon. So following the match, Darby Allen gets on the mic. He's very short and sweet, very brief and to the point, calling out John Moxley, telling Mox that he accepts his challenge. Uh, and within 10 seconds of the match ending, Jim Ross confirms uh, on Fight TV that John Moxley and Darby Allen will fight each other in a match next week. So, Darren, I'd love to know your thoughts on what went down in this match um, and uh, Darby Allen accepting John Moxley's challenge. And uh, we, we know what John Moxley can do in the ring. We obviously saw, um, you know, everything that went down on Saturday night at Full Gear. Um, we know that he's he's kind of really turned it up to 11 now since he's left the WWE. Um, and he is, he is kind of, without a doubt, uh, a different wrestler, a lot more focused, a lot more driven, a lot more, uh, a lot more serious. And... Um, 
going up against Darby Allen, two kind of fairly uh, not two wrestlers not afraid to take a risk. You could consider them fairly, you know, hardcore wrestlers. Uh, but what's your thoughts on on this match and what's going to go down next week between these two? Yeah, uh, with the match, um, I felt that the right person won Darby Allen is. I know I've, I've given AEW a little bit of grief about not really building up the, the women's roster and, and not knowing the backstories, but when it comes to some of, of the male talent, they've made absolute rock stars out of them, and Darby Allen is certainly one of them. Uh, it, was, it wasn't someone who I knew a lot about before he came to AEW, but now he's, he's one of the, the faces of that company, one of the people who you really look out for. Um, the other two in the, in the match, I can't say I'm that bothered about. I don't like the... Uh, the librarian gimmick at all. I think it was a, a little bit of a, a, a backstage joke from the being the elite days that's fallen flat and it's now way, way run its course. Uh, and with Sean Spears, um, I, I didn't mind him as, as a wrestler in, as Tar Dillinger. I'm glad that the guy is uh, is working and doing, doing well in AEW. I just didn't get the buzz about him uh I think the the thing is with with a lot of fans on social media is that they think that if someone leaves the WWE, they're instantly going to be a big star in AEW. And, and I think Sean Spears has kind of proved that that's not going to happen. And when Cody said that he's a good hand, uh, I think that's that's right. I think he's going to be the kind of person who you use to elevate other people, but he'll never be the, the focal point of the company. Um but with this match, yeah, like I said, I think that Darby Allen winning was the right decision. I am all for a Darby Allen versus John Moxley match. That is going to be absolute mayhem. Uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. Mayhem is the word. Yeah, definitely. I think it's going to be a one to watch next week. Um, then we go into our next match, Nyla Rose. Uh, we mentioned about the, the women's division in AEW and uh, Nyla Rose is another top competitor within that division. She went up against uh, kind of enhancement talent, you could say, uh, by the name of uh, Danny Jordan. Uh, essentially, this was a squash match as uh, Nyla pretty much destroys Danny Jordan with a, a Samoan drop and then a sit-out powerbomb inside of three minutes for the fairly easy win there. Um, I really like uh, Nyla Rose. I think uh, uh, she's got a good look. I think she's got a good presence, very, very powerful. I think her moves are pretty good. Um, I, I'm a little bit disappointed that we've not seen a lot of her on TV. There's been a lot of focus on Ryu. There's been a lot of focus on Britt Baker, um, but uh, not so much on Nyla Rose. What's your thoughts on, on Nyla Rose? And uh, I mean, I think she appeared in an episode of AW dark a week or two ago now i haven't caught all of uh, all of the episodes of dark admittedly but she's certainly not been in any sort of like prominent role uh for a few months now but uh, any thoughts on nyla rose at all yeah i think for the first thing that that i can say about nyla rose is potential i think she's got the potential to be a massive monster heel uh she's got skills in the ring but uh it's quite clear that she's still quite green um, I think the issue was that she was pushed to being like this this monster heel a little bit too early, and then when the towel was 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 put on Rio, it kind of fell flat and it kind of took a little bit of the wind out of her sails. Yeah. So I, I think having these kind of squash matches is a great way to build a back up and build that reputation of her being so dominant um, back. So yeah, I. Um, Squash matches have, a, have a, a, a use in wrestling and this was the perfect way to use one to, to make her look like this badass dominant heel who 
is building herself back up and uh, will be a, a massive force in, in the women's division in AEW. Yeah, completely agree. And I agree on your sentiments regarding squash matches. I think they need to be used a bit more, especially to get uh, newer wrestlers over. And to, I always liked them when I was growing up back in the back in the early 90s and I was getting into WWF. And uh, the squash matches would kind of help to uh, build a character. You'd learn their moveset, it would get their moveset over, uh, show how dominant they were. And I think they do ha- definitely still have a place in modern day wrestling, although we don't see half as many as we should. But uh, you make some good points there. Then we get a, an impromptu appearance from Awesome Kong and Brandy Rhodes uh, on the ring. They destroy Ali, uh, who was in the middle of uh, an interview. They destroy Ali on the rampway. And then they collect a sample of Ali's hair to add to Kong's collection. And then uh, we get uh, an in-ring appearance from Le Champion, Chris Jericho. He comes out to the ring ahead of his tag team championship match later on in the evening, calling himself the greatest of all time, whilst demanding a thank you from everybody in the office, stating that he has beaten everybody put in front of him, including Cody Rhodes, calling Cody once again an entitled millennial son of a bitch. Uh, so then MJF comes out to uh, he comes out to uh, Cody Rhodes's entrance music, which kind of had the, the fans excited, thinking they were going to get Cody. But then MJF, he trolls the fans as he comes down uh, to massive boos and chants of asshole, uh, MJF tells the fans that if he didn't throw in the towel for Cody, then their favourite little wrestler's career would have been over anyway. MJF tells the fans that Cody only cares about himself. MJF said that Cody didn't want to keep him under his wing, uh, but more like underneath his thumb. MJF calls himself the new face of AEW. We then get quite an amusing conversation between MJF and Chris Jericho, mostly about MJF joining or wanting to join the inner circle or whether Jericho wanted MJF to be in the inner circle. It got very confusing, but it's quite confused, quite amusing between the two. Um, and uh, there's a funny bit of jaw jacking between the two um, during the segment. However, there's one thing that they have in common and they both agree that uh, the biggest jackass in AEW is Cody Rhodes, according to them. Um, but so then they both hug uh, in the centre of the ring. Then Cody does come out. So Cody comes out to the ring. He beats down MJF. He, he botches a power slam on Chris Jericho that looks pretty awkward, to be honest with you. Um, then uh, we see the official debut of Wardlow. Now, we've been seeing kind of vignettes about Wardlow on recent editions of uh, AEW on Dynamite and some of their recent pay-per-views um, and uh, he promptly destroyed Cody so now to me it looks as though Wardlow and MGF have got a bit of a connection there possibly aligning as a bit of a pairing uh, and it also looks as if Jericho could be interested in recruiting MJF into the inner circle uh, with the common goal that they have of destroying Cody Rhodes so uh, uh, fun little segment and uh, as always whenever you've got uh, a microphone in the hands of either MJF or Chris Jericho you know you're in for an amusing five minutes and that's certainly what we got here so what were your thoughts on uh, what went down in this little segment here then Darren I thought it was it was brilliant um, I mentioned about Darby Allen being one of the, the guys that AEW have met into a rock star if there was one person who's head and head and shoulders above everyone else it's MJF that guy is absolutely amazing in, in his role as as the the cunning dastardly heel yeah. um, I, I would have liked this uh, this turn of of his to go on a little bit more. I was really enjoying the the way he was being very snad behind Cordy's back, uh, but then sucking up to him. So I would have liked to have seen that go on a little bit longer. But I can see how the AEW kind of uh, booked themselves into a corner with uh, with this um, Cordy not being able to challenge for the title again. They they needed to get a way out of it that that led Cordy into another feud, and and the turn was always going to happen. It's just 
it's just come a little bit sooner than I would have would have liked. I think uh, MJF landing with um, with Jericho is a really really good move, but it kind of negates the fact that they've got Sammy Guevara in the inner circle now. If uh, if MJF is going to join the inner circle, I think he fits the role that Sammy Guevara kind of fits as like the young cocky upstart. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if he's, if it, it's going to be confirmed that he joins the inner circle, especially if he's got Wardlaw as this kind of like bodyguard slash like monster heel to to side him. So maybe the the links with inner circle are, are going to fade away. But yeah, I thought the segment was great. Jericho on the mark is is if not the best, he's definitely one of the best. And nobody in this business can draw heat like MJF. The guy is absolutely solid gold and is is one of the stars of AW for me. Yeah, I've got to be honest with you. I didn't know too much about him before this year, but uh, uh, as soon as he started appearing on AEW, I think it was probably as soon as the the, the rally back in uh, early January. I think it was January the 4th or 5th when they did the rally and they introduced AEW and they announced it was the new promotion and NJF came out. And I, I, I just knew that he was a, a an awesome talent. Uh, and I know he's been around for a, a year or so, but he's still quite new um, to this business. I mean, he's still very young himself in his kind of early 20s. Um, but what a future that guy has. And he's already the total package uh, on, on the microphone. Um, he, I don't think he's fully proven in the ring yet. He's not had too many long matches to really kind of show his true ability. Um, but as a gimmick, as a heel, um, you know, as a, as a talent on the mic, he has got it. And you could tell that Chris Jericho was admiring his uh, his kind of talent and his prowess on the microphone when MJF was talking. Um, I think they were kind of... Uh, MJF could be considered an equal to anybody on the microphone and uh, yeah definitely a valuable asset to have uh, in your company but um, interesting to see what's going to happen in the future and uh, especially yes will will MJF join the inner circle I personally hope that he does not I think he's a good enough talent with possibly Wardlow by his side uh, to create their own little stable or their own little pairing uh, without needing to be incorporated or brought into you know, the inner circle it could like you said it could lesser the impact of a Sammy Guevara um, and we saw what happened with the NWO back in the 90s where th- there were too many cooks um, and it kind of, yeah, it, it kind of lessens the the impact of the bigger players that are in there. Um, but uh, yeah, interesting nonetheless. I thought it's a really good segment. And to be honest with you, possibly the highlight of the show as far as I was concerned. Um, moving on to the next match, uh, Hangman Page versus Pack. So this is, uh, it was described as their rubber match, their third match. I think they both won uh, a match each. Uh, including Adam Page's victory over Pack at Full Gear on Saturday. So this this was a pretty fun match, a pretty hard-hitting match between these two, as you would expect. Um, now, they've been feuding for a number of months, now dating back to, I think, about April or May. I think they, they were scheduled to fight at Double or Nothing back in May, and uh, that got dropped for one reason or another that's not been fully explained. Now, in this match, Page uh, dropped Pack off the ring apron with uh, like a sidewalk slam, uh, then hit Pack with a huge moonsault from the top turnbuckle onto Pack on the outside. Uh, Pack delivers a solid super kick to the face of Adam Page on the floor. Uh, Pack then recovers to drop Page with a German suplex. Uh, Adam Page then connects with a brutal lariat, turning Pack inside out. Page then drops Pack with a, a brain buster on the outside before delivering his buckshot lariat for a close near fall. Uh, Pack then goes for, uh, he then goes wild. 
Paul stomping away on Adam Page's head uh, before delivering his black arrow, quickly transitioning into his brutalizer uh, to not only win the match, but to go 2-1 up in their series of matches. So I thought this was a good match. What I liked about this one, Darren, was uh, it, it was quite quite hard hitting, quite brutal. Their spots looked pretty real. Um, and similar to the story they're telling with um, Kenny Omega, uh, the same could be said for Adam Page, where he's, you know, had a very, very mixed start in his AEW career. He's probably lost just as many as he's won. And uh, Pac seems to be getting the better of him, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, give us your thoughts on, on this one here. Like I say, it was only a few days removed from the match at Full Gear. Um, I actually thought this was a, a slightly better match. It, it didn't go on for as long, but I thought they, they got in all their all their shots and it looked pretty good to me. Yeah, uh, in terms of the match, yeah, I agree with you. I think it was the the better of all the matches that they've had, um, and yeah, and I, I do agree that that uh, Page looks like he's it's floundering a little bit again along the same lines of Kenny Omega, where he, he can't get a good run of wins uh, together. My my issue with this, and this is why I'm going to give it like a, a bit of a negative, is that AEW of their mantra is that they're going to be different to the WWE, that they're going to be the alternative. But they've done something that the WWE gets a lot of flack for. They've given us the same match multiple times over a short period. Uh, and WWE have, have had that with uh, Seth Rollins versus The Fiend recently. And I think it be, would be unfair to give AEW a pass on this and then in the same breath kind of criticise the WWE for it. So I think maybe they should have maybe a little bit of a time between the matches. Um, but looking at the match objectively, yeah, I think it was a, a really good match. I think the right person won Pac. Uh, Pac is on a, a great tear. And, and I love the story of him like being angry that his wins aren't enough to, to get him a title shot. Um, I, but I just don't see how you have a heel versus heel title match so that kind of leads me to think that maybe Jericho will have to drop the title before Pat can get the championship so maybe he's facing Paige just just to keep him active more than anything yeah and I'm and going back to one of your earlier comments they, they do seem to be recycling the same talent the same same matches you do seem to be saying a lot of a lot of similar matches happening week in week out um with a lot of the same talent and um could that be because being a fairly new company that they just haven't got as, as deep a talent pool as they would like or is it that they're just not utilizing a lot of the other wrestlers that they might have backstage um i, I really enjoyed this match but personally, I hope it's the last match we see from Page and Pack for a, a little while. And let's say potentially down the road, we could see the two of them both get involved with one another with the title on the line. That It could be a, a title program between the two of them. But I don't want to see the two of these wrestle um, in anything similar anytime soon. Thank you very much. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been good for what it was. But let's leave it alone for a little bit anyway. Um, moving on, we then get uh, cameras backstage as Santana and Ortiz get into a physical brawl with the Young Bucks. We even had Ortiz dive off the top of a forklift truck. Uh, at one stage, Santana sends Nick Jackson through what appeared to be like a bathroom area. 
And uh, who is on the other side? Uh, none other than Orange Cassidy looking as relaxed as you like, uh, not giving a care in the world. Uh, the Bucks and, uh, and Santana and Ortiz, and brought, they brawl into the arena um, as all four kind of fight around the ring until uh, about a dozen or so officials and security get involved to put an end to the brawl. There's a super kick party from the Bucks. They lay out some of the security guards on the rampway. However, Santana and Ortiz, they appear to get the upper hand uh, as the former LAX attack Mac Jackson's right leg with a, a loaded sock. This segment then comes to an end um, with uh, Matt Jackson getting slammed through the stage. We've seen that a few times from the former LAX, whilst uh, Brandon Cutler and Private Party uh, come out. They, they attempt to make the save. Um, both Jacksons get beat up pretty bad here. Um, it looks like this is set up a match between Santana and Ortiz versus Private Party next week, which is uh, definitely a match I'm looking forward to. I think they've got two very, very talented teams there. Uh, but what's your thoughts on this kind of this, this backstage brawl and uh, how it all played out and uh yeah uh, orange cassidy um looking quite uh, mysterious stood behind a bathroom door <laughs> no questions as to what he's doing behind there of course i'm not uh, laying any sort of aspersions towards uh, orange cassidy but it was an amusing segment um but give us your thoughts on this one buddy yeah um i think the the former lax are amazing I've, the way they've been promoted in AEW. Uh, I know AEW said that they were going to like put a focus on the tag team division. I didn't think it would be as high profile as this. Um, yeah, I think it's it was a really, really uh, interesting segment. I don't I don't think that they should have gone to the same uh, kind of well that they went to with the Rock and Roll Express where they powerbombed them through the, the same, literally the same equipment box. Um but, yeah, I like the way they're building up um, the, the tag teams. Uh, one of my concerns when AEW was, was, was being a thing, especially with wrestlers being kind of in charge, was that it would be a, a booking for the boys kind of thing where it'd be kind of like WCW in, in the, the end days where the bookers were, were just making themselves champion and, and uh, never letting never having, having themselves losing. Uh, and... The, the books have definitely not done that. They've uh, they've really put over a lot of the other tag teams. I mean, they lost in the first round of the tournament to Private Party. The, the only part that really flummoxed me was why would Private Party come out to to help the books? Uh, they, I don't think that was explained enough to to say why they they would get involved in that, uh, other than to to quickly make a match for next week and again that leads on to something else that kind of like is is, is a, an issue I suppose how quickly these matches were made I mean they literally had a brawl and then 30 seconds later Jim Ross was announcing that that match had, had been made for next week it's almost it almost takes away the fact that it that that it, it's a, a, a TV program and then it's it's clearly been scripted yeah, like I say, always it's kind of it makes it clear to to the viewing audience that uh, um, you know Jim Ross isn't the booker; he doesn't have the, the you know the 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 rights to announce matches. But within within ten to thirty seconds of that segment ending, the match is being announced on TV, and it's like well, kind of leave it you know ten, fifteen, twenty minutes, or uh, just a little bit longer to make it sound like it's been discussed backstage, and Tony Khan's got involved or somebody's got involved to put the match yeah. together instead of. Uh, 
uh, it kind of always been written on on the sheet of paper that you're reading from uh, because you know what's going down for next week. But uh, yeah, that's something that did catch me as well. I mean, when the uh, John Moxley Darby Allen match was announced, now I think they went to commercials and Jim Ross announced it on the Fight TV uh, bit between commercials, and it's like you know. Jim, you know, <laughs> wait until we come back or just leave it a few minutes. And it was almost as if he was just reading off of a page just to kind of get it done and move on to the next bit. And uh, it didn't really add to the drama or the excitement of thinking, well, are they going to have a match? And when's it likely to happen? It's like, right, OK, it's just thrown out there. But uh, yes, I agree with you there. That can be improved on definitely. But that takes us to our main event of this week's Dynamite then. And it's uh, SCU, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky versus uh, Le Champion, uh, the leader of uh, the Inner Circle and the Spanish God, Sammy Guevara. I love all these little nicknames they're getting. Uh, Le Champion and and the Spanish God. It kind of adds a a little bit of an amusing element to uh, to the serious nature of professional wrestling or maybe not so serious sometimes. But this was for the AEW Tag Team uh, Championship. So I'm pretty sure that uh, this match came about after Full Gear last Saturday night when uh, Chris Jericho mentioned um, in kind of like the, the after show interviews that he and Sammy Guevara should be tag team champions due to the fact that, that they've been undefeated uh, as a tag team, having won two matches together before. Um, in this match, uh, SCU looked pretty good in this match, actually, with Sammy Guevara and, and Jericho bouncing all around the ring for uh, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpius Sky. Jericho and Guevara do uh, eventually get the upper hand, though, uh, through their heel tactics. And remember, in this match, Jake Hager is hanging around on the outside waiting to get involved at every opportunity. Jericho and Sammy uh, make for a really good duo, in my opinion. Uh, at one stage, uh, Guevara hits a Spanish fly, but then misses a shooting star press. Scorpio Sky gets a two count from a hanging netbreaker and another two count from a slingshot cutter on Guevara. Um, it all starts to break down as uh, Hager uh, does get involved from the outside, launching Christopher Daniels. Um, who's there to accompany SEU launching Christopher Daniels into the guardrails. The end of the match comes with Scorpio Sky taking it to the champions, uh, getting a close near fall, first of all, on Jericho from a TKO. And after kicking out of a codebreaker, Scorpio Sky actually rolls up the champion and gets a shock pinfall uh, with a roll up. Uh, and uh, yeah, well, not only winning the match, for SEU enabling them to retain the titles, but pinning Le Champion, pinning the AW World Champion. Uh, so uh, Jericho goes on a bit of a tear around the ring, throwing guardrails and barriers and steel chairs around the place um, as the show goes off the air. I really enjoyed this match. Um, I, I thought, uh, along with the kind of the MJF and Chris Jericho segment earlier on, this was another highlight from the night as far as I was concerned. Really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, definitely match of the night as far as I was concerned. But I think the star of the match, and you could say possibly the star of the night, is Scorpio Sky. Now, I've said this on this podcast before. Scorpio Sky, he's got a great look, really good presence, uh, quite charismatic, and uh, he's excellent in the ring. And uh, he's really coming together as a total package. And I think if ever they lose the uh, the tag team title somewhere down the line, Darren, Scorpio Sky could be looked uh, quite seriously uh, you know, as a singles competitor. And now that he's pinned uh, Le Champion, pinned Chris, Cham- uh, Chris, uh, Chris Jericho, could he possibly be you know, earmarked as a, as a future contender or maybe to have a one-on-one match with Chris Jericho in the future? But I really enjoyed this match. Um, what were your thoughts on what went down and the outcome to the match, Scorpio Sky? Uh, give us your thoughts, buddy. Yep, I, again, I totally agree with you. I think uh, that this was was my match of the night. Um, I think that Scorpio Sky looks like an absolute million dollars, and if he has, if he's not a, a future AEW champion, then 
and don't know anything about wrestling. Uh, he just, he, like I said, he's, he's charismatic. He's great in ring. Uh, he's got a real rapport with the crowd. I think he's learning so much from um, uh, veterans like Frankie Kazarian and, and Christopher Daniels that when he does break out on his own, he's going to have all the tools to be one of the faces of, of, of AEW. Um, and the fact that Chris Jericho lost to him just shows how much how much faith that they've put into um, into Scorpio Scar and how much Chris Jericho can use his um, his influence to to put these guys over because that's why Chris Jericho's there. He's there to put eyes on the product and to to make the the, the, the people who he's wrestling against look a lot better. And I think he absolutely did that. Uh, and with uh, Guevara on in his in his corner. I think Guevara gets that rub as well. So I don't think there was any losers in this match. To be fair, I think everybody come out of this match looking a whole lot better. And Scorpio Sky looks like they're going to be strapping a rocket to him. Definitely, and I agree with what you're saying. I think everybody in this match came away looking fantastic. Um, I thought it was a, a fun match and a fun ending to the match. Um, I was watching closely the, the kind of relationship uh, between Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho in this match. That they, they are they are quite an interesting couple duo tag team um, where they are kind of uh, tagging together and uh, I love kind of Sammy Guevara he's got such admiration from Chris Jericho and uh, there was one moment where Sammy Guevara kind of did a pose in the ring and Chris Jericho came in and did a pose with him and I thought that was just fantastic and they're kind of uh, they're their comedy relief uh, uh, video package from last week which was kind of a bit of a Mickey take of the Cody uh, video package from a couple of weeks earlier I thought the one they did last week on Chris Jericho was absolutely hilarious and fantastic and I I can watch that 20 times over and just <laughs> laugh so much. It's just absolutely fantastic. But I love their kind of father-son relationship. It's, it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, but a really good episode of AEW Dynamite. Um, I must admit there, there were some points in there where I, where I got a little bit bored. Um, like I say, there, there were some highlights, and I think the highlights for me were definitely the, the promo exchange between MJF and Chris Jericho in the middle of the show and the main event. Um, I did like the backstage brawl as well, to be honest with you, with LAX and the Young Bucks. Um, but uh, I think the in-between bits, yeah, could probably have done without. There's nothing that memorable, memorable about the other section, but then that's typical, I suppose, of many wrestling shows nowadays where you kind of can't hit it um, kind of for a full two hours uh, on every show. But uh, uh, what would you say overall? What were your overall thoughts of this week's Dynamite then, Darren? Um, I, I think it's one of the weaker episodes that they've had but in saying that they they've been so so good that this was still a very very good episode i still think there's issues with uh the likes of the the cameras cutting to the crowd and uh, missing spots and stuff like that i i i don't like the way that jim ross uh commentates now i'm I mean, I grew up. Jim Ross was the was the voice of my wrestling world, uh, and I absolutely loved the guy. But I, but what the way he's is commentating, he kind of takes away from the product for me a little bit. He uh, he doesn't seem to know a lot about the wrestlers. He doesn't kind of like promote the the action or promote the the, the wrestlers in the matches. And he a lot of the times he's actually like kind of puts them down which I, I don't think is a good good move especially when you're trying to like you, they're in the middle of a of a, a Wednesday night war with with NXT I think you should be doing all all in your power to make your wrestlers sound like they're the best thing 
in wrestling today, and I don't think he quite does that. Um, I love Excalibur, and I absolutely adore Tony Schiavone, and I, I think they're kind of carrying Jim Ross a little bit. Um, but, yeah, they, for a, a programme that's, that's six weeks old, I can't really have a lot of complaints, to be fair. I've enjoyed every single week, and this week was absolutely no different. Mm, yeah, totally agree. And like I said earlier, I'd like them to mix it up a little bit, have different pairings. You do seem to be getting uh, a fair few rematches. Uh, but like I say, the, the roster's probably not that deep at the moment. I completely agree with your sentiments on Jim Ross. Um, I, I've kind of complained about him on Twitter a few times where, especially when he, he calls uh, Jungle Boy Jungle Jack, that winds me up no end. Um, and uh, he does make a, a few mistakes, which they do kind of cover for, uh, like I think he called um, Jake Hager swagger at one point during the main events and uh it's things like that that yeah you can give him a pass because he's been in the business over 40 years and uh he is uh, kind of in his more senior days uh nowadays but uh it's almost as if sometimes he just doesn't care as well to be honest with you but yeah. if, if we if we had a couple of weeks with just tony shivani and excalibur that would be heaven to be honest with you it'd be nice to see how different or how better the product is with just those two so uh, uh we shall see what happens there but um i'll tell you what buddy let's uh, move on to a little bit of NXT shall we um, it's a, a, another amazing show um, I enjoyed the hell out of AEW Dynamite but I enjoyed the hell out of this one as well so NXT, uh, I have to say that the opening intro to this show was awesome. The show uh, kind of uh, gave us highlights from last week's episode um, through with, with the theme of, of, of lips, uh, Slipknot, of course. Uh, this was an awesome, it was an awesome visual uh, that took place on last week's episode that they replayed on the opening package of uh, Luke Gallows ramming Bobby Fish's face into the container outside when uh, uh, the OC got into a brawl with them, disputed era. And I, I, I don't think it was fake blood. It didn't look like fake blood, but you saw a bit splatter of blood on the side of this container that come out of Bobby Fish's nose um, and uh, you know, this was a, a scene that was only brought to my attention after last week's episode, I didn't notice it straight away but they certainly replayed it this week uh, during that opening video package the first match that we uh, get hit with straight uh, from the off is uh, the NXT Cruiserweight Championship match. Leo Rush, uh, the fairly newly, newly crowned champion, uh, he uh, beats Drew Gulak a few episodes ago against the new number one contender, Angel Garza. So um, as you may be aware, Angel Garza qualified for this match after beating Tony Nese on last week's show. But after pulling off his tights um, at the beginning of this match in the crowd and throwing them down at the feet of Leo Rush's wife and children, I bet he wish he hadn't done that when Leo Rush came diving through the rope sending Gaza into the guard railings hard uh, Rush then gets caught uh, off of a low pay as uh, Gaza, Gaza turns it into a power slam on the outside that was quite an impressive spot there Gaza then gets a close near fall nailing Leo Rush with a drop kick as a, a counter to Leo Rush's slingshot cutter and already the fans are massively into this match. Uh, Rush gets a two count from a swinging net breaker. Garza even gets a close near fall from a, a crazy moonsault fall away slam where he's holding Leo Rush in his arms as he does the moonsault and lands on him in, in kind of like a body press. Um, that gets holy shit chance from the fans. Rushing comes back with uh, his rush hour Spanish fly, uh, a spinning roundhouse kick followed by his slingshot cutter. Garza quickly transitions into his wing clipper finisher but can only get a two two counts. Uh, Rush does his flying frog splash for another close near fall. However, the end of the match comes in a slightly confusing fashion as Rush delivers a second frog splash um, onto the body of Gaza. 
with the referee counting to three. However, it's clear from our vantage point um, that Garza was able to hook his left foot over the bottom rope, but the referee fails to spot this and counts to three anyway, giving the win to the NXT Cruiserweight champion, Leo Rush. Uh, so... Well, I, I seem to say this after the opening match of every NXT, to be honest with you, uh, but this was a hell of a match and a great way to kick off NXT. Um, it, it, so many great moves, a really good story being told between these two, some really good chemistry between these two as well. I don't know whether they've touched in the ring before, but this was just amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, the crowd were absolutely loving it and I loved it as well. And a, a nice bit of drama, a nice kind of way to end the match that kind of leaves it open-ended for a, a potential rematch because uh, believe you and me, Darren, I'd love to see this match again but what about yourself yeah i uh, totally agree uh just before i go on to the match there's a a couple of points i want to i want to touch on um i think that this wednesday night war has brought the absolute best out of both companies uh it really a, has yeah i'm an avid avid nxt uh fan i've watched nxt if i were to watch one WWE product it would be nxt and i absolutely love it but there was always that concern that moving it to the network TV and, and doubling the, the amount of time could make it go a little bit like the main roster. And those fears have definitely been allayed. I think it's an absolutely brilliant product and they've really, really stepped up in terms of quality and storytelling. Uh, and then the other point was I've, I've championed for a long, long time the the uh, the 205 guys to, to be took to full sale. I think that that crowd that watches NXT would, would absolutely eat up the the kind of cruiserweight style wrestling and this match absolutely proved that uh two cruiserweights having an absolutely amazing match and the crowd at up every single minute of it i think this is the way you start a show it's you get that crowd hot and you also get the the people watching on on tv hot because that was an absolutely banging match. It's not often that I'm like hands in my head, like, oh my God, how did that uh, <laughs> pin happen? And I, I was totally doing that with this. I think, like I said, they, these two had great chemistry and it does leave the door open for a rematch. But wow, what two absolute studs and absolutely brilliant match. And could, it could even be in, in the argument for, for match of the year for in terms of NXT. Yeah, yeah, definitely up there in the conversation. But to, to coin a phrase from Jim Ross, our uh, lovable AEW commentator, it was a barn burner. It was a slobber knocker. It was absolutely fantastic. I loved it to pieces. Uh, we then get footage of some altercation that took place outside of Full Sail Arena with an unconscious Rhea Ripley and a rather distressed Tegan Knox um, hinting towards a mysterious attacker. So who would that mysterious attacker be? We might, we might find out uh, what's going on there then. Uh, that leads us to our next match, Zion Lever. Versus Aaliyah. So the biggest talking point after this match was the ending when Zia Lee clocked Aaliyah with her finisher, the, the spinning kind of roundhouse kick or back heel kick directly to the nose of Aaliyah. Um, I know that Aaliyah went onto social media um, to show pictures of her busted nose and the, the blood with her tag partner Vanessa Bourne coming out on Twitter um, uh, that same day, calling Zia Lee the sloppiest person in the locker room. So uh, not so much about the match, but what, what about that uh, kick that ended it all and uh, obviously it was it was a mistake it was an accident um possibly been taken the wrong way by uh, by uh, Aaliyah and uh, Vanessa Bourne I don't know whether they're just healing it up or whether they are genuinely pissed uh but what, what were your thoughts on what went down here then yeah well obviously uh, being British uh, as you know we kind of get these tidbits on Twitter before we actually get the show 
so obviously I knew that that had happened. So when that match was coming on, that was the kind of thing that I was I was waiting to look for. And I think it's I think it's a work. I think we're being uh, worked as fancy. I think they are healing it up because I watched that finish three or four times, and the spinning heel kick actually makes contact with uh, Aaliyah's arm. And ah. it's, it's Aaliyah's hand is over her face already before the kick even makes contact. And then obviously she goes down, the pin happens, and then the doctor comes in and, and wipes her nose and there's blood on it. But I think we're being worked. I think that that was a, a, a blood capsule moment. Uh, I mean, I might be wrong, but I did watch it three or four times and she definitely does not connect to Aaliyah's nose with the with the, the heel. It's definitely on her on her kind of like forearm. So maybe a forearm did hit onto her and it like the the power of it hit made the hand hit like break the nose. But yeah, it does seem a very very work style um end to me. I I think there's more to this feud than, than meets the eye. Yeah, very interesting, very interesting. And the only reason why I thought it might have been a shoot and why it might have actually genuinely um, injured Aaliyah's nose is because I was watching the match and like you, I was waiting for the move that everybody was talking about that, that supposedly injured Aaliyah's nose and I was waiting for it. And I did notice uh, Zia Lee, she, she does lay in a little bit. She does appear to lay in her moves. Uh, she's, not, um, she's not the softest of worker from no. what I could tell, which is why she, I thought, so uh, when, when, when the kick, yeah, when the kick happened, I thought, oh, she's got a little bit too snug there, a little bit too uh, close. But uh, we shall see how that develops. It will no doubt turn into a storyline because if it if it was a shoot, if it, if it you know wasn't, it's not a storyline. They work it into a storyline, and that's how WWE work. But uh, yes, yeah, a little bit of continuity uh, will, will be good to to follow up on there. But um, a good talking point nonetheless. And then we get to Finn Balor. He comes out for an in-ring promo saying that NXT has become a joke. Uh, Balor went on to say that he built NXT and after he left, uh, a bunch of little boys moved in. Uh, Finn then throw, uh, he shoots a, a Matt Riddle uh, before telling us that uh, he's begging for someone to come down and stand in the ring with him. So uh, ask and you shall receive Mr. Balor as uh, Matt Riddle storms to the ring uh, to brawl with Balor both in and out of the ring. And uh, th- this uh, as all come about after it was confirmed earlier on this week that Johnny Gargano is out injured for an uncertain amount of time with a neck injury whether he's going to require um, neck surgery or not he's yet to be seen Uh, we haven't seen him on our screens for a number of weeks now and he's been removed from the match or the proposed match with Finn Balor at War Games. Um, and uh, I say with, with uh, Matt Riddle taking Gargano's place, it will be Matt Riddle versus Finn Balor at TakeOver War Games in a couple of weeks' time. Balor uh, retreats to the back before all four members of the Undisputed come, uh, Undisputed Era come out to surround the ring to surround Riddle before Tommaso Ciampa and Keith Lee come out to support their War Games stablemate or a teammate or former teammate because he's now facing Finn Balor at uh, TakeOver as I just mentioned. Uh, both groups then get into a bit of a verbal war with Keith Lee congratulating Adam Cole on his recent matches with Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins uh, with Lee asking Cole if he's going to stand up to him. Uh, Roddy, Rod, Roderick Strong then gets on the mic and tells Keith Lee that uh, Cole deserves the night off which gives us our impromptu match which is going to happen immediately between Keith Lee and Roderick Strong and this is a, a non-title match for the North America or a non-title match. The North American Championship will not be on the line um, but but uh, what were your thoughts on kind of what went down here? Uh, we've now got Finn Balor versus Matt Riddle at TakeOver War Games. Johnny Gargano is on the shelf. 
uh, we're still getting these kind of run-ins from the Undisputed Era and kind of the War Games uh, opponents and uh, kind of building a bit of continuity there with Tommaso Champions team and the Undisputed Era. Um, but uh, it's kind of this, this weaving a bit of a web uh, between storylines, but it's all kind of making sense. Uh, they all kind of do link with one another. But uh, some interesting storyline development here, Darren. What's your take on this? You know, a, there was a lot to unpack in the, in this last section and then into the match. Um I think it speaks so highly of the the depth of talent in that NXT roster that the proposed match being uh, being cancelled with Gagano and and Finn Balor that they've just got someone with the the quality of Matt Riddle to just step into place. I think that is absolutely amazing. It's it's dream match after dream match after dream match in in NXT right now. Um, yeah, I, I I really did enjoy. Not only the this segment, I think Adam Cole's an absolute rock star. He's probably the most over person in in WWE, maybe in all of wrestling. Um, and Roddy Strong for me is the is the wrestler of 2019. I I cannot remember when he has had a bad match. He's absolutely solid in the ring. Keith Lee, when he first uh, came to NXT, he kind of was wasn't pushed. It was almost like he was. Uh, just there to make up numbers and they've really really put him to the forefront and they're really using him to his his potential now so yeah this has got all the elements to be like almost a feud of the year kind of like uh performance between these groups of guys um i'd love to see if they were going to like uh, improve on the the Bullet Club style story that they had with uh, Cole and Bala and AJ Styles all like uh, throwing up the, the the various different signs like the wolf yeah. sign and, and the guns. I'd love for them to revisit that soon. Um, but yeah, it's just it, Finn Balor being back in NXT. The the potential of Finn Balor versus Adam Cole, Finn Balor versus Riddle. Just the all these different like connotations of matches is just it's it gives me chills because this is my my wheelhouse with WWE NXT is is the thing that I, I watch the most and yeah I'm just so excited for the future of it. Yeah, it is exciting. I think that's the word is, is excitement. And like I say, NXT is my kind of bread and butter as well. That's my go to on a weekly basis. And it has been since day one. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's almost like the, you know, I love what AEW are trying to do. And I, I do admire uh, their, their product and I'm becoming a fan of their products. But uh, I think NXT will always be my number one. And when you've got such a strong and deep talent roster as they have currently, um you know the and and the fact that there's no massive need for NXT talent to necessarily go to a Raw or go to a SmackDown because now that they're on network TV, NXT are just on a on a on a level with the other two shows. Um, so they can continue to build this brand and make it even bigger and more important. And so far, as you alluded to earlier, every single episode since they've been on the USA Network, um, even with it going two hours, has been absolutely stellar. And it just seems to be getting better and better. And as if it wasn't good enough when it was one hours. We honestly thought the quality would drop with it going to two hours, but it's just continued to improve and impress and storylines have got better and the matches have got better. And yes, some might say it could be the, the competition factor, it could be the element of AEW. And if it is, then fantastic, bring it on because I think competition does allow for, you know, better, the better product for the fans, better product for the wrestlers. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm loving the hell out of it. And uh, so far, this episode is certainly delivering as far as I'm concerned. But uh, moving into the match, as I said, it was an impromptu match. 
built there and then. Uh, so uh, almost as fast as uh, Jim Ross announcing a match um, on AEW. This one was kind of created out of nothing. Uh, Keith Lee versus Roddy Strong, uh, a non-title match, as I mentioned earlier. Now, uh, these two, Keith Lee and Roddy Strong, were, were kind of two-thirds of uh, the potential match of the year contender from a few weeks ago when Strong was uh, forced to defend his North American Championship, both against uh, Keith Lee and Dominic Dojkovic, uh, with Strong pulling off uh, a win in that thriller of a match and it was a thriller. Uh, this match was all about Strong using his, uh, his smarts and his uh, intellect to get away from Keith Lee's immense power. Uh, this match was good, uh, but not not quite as captivating, in my opinion, as the three-way they had a few weeks ago. And, the, 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 you know, the four earlier matches that we had between Keith Lee and Dijakovic. But uh, it, it was good, and it certainly built uh, towards the end. It certainly built like a good story. Uh, the match definitely picked up when Keith Lee was on the offence, in my opinion. However, Roddy did manage to get close near fall from a huge uh, superplex on the massive 320-pound Keith Lee. Uh, just then, the remaining members of the Undisputed Era come out to ringside, quickly followed by Riddle and Champa uh, to help even the odds. Uh, that was until Finn Balor appears from out of nowhere to attack Riddle, including a drop kick, sending Riddle hard into the steel ring steps, obviously building their match for war games. Uh, Lee was soon able to dispose of Roddy with a supernova jackhammer for the one, two, three. However, the win for Lee was uh, cut short or the celebrations were certainly cut short as it queued up an appearance from uh, the Undisputed Era to storm the ring once more, laying in the boots to uh, Keith Lee, Tommaso Ciampa, only until the aforementioned Dominic Dijakovic came out to make the save, quickly disposing of Strong, Fisher, Riley and Cole. Uh, we then had a handshake between Ciampa and Dijakovic, and then after a tense stare down between Dijakovic and Lee, we got a handshake between those two as well, appearing to add Dominic Dijakovic to the men's war games match as part of Team Ciampa. So uh, I think that Dijakovic was always meant to be part of this team. He was going to be the fourth person added, but uh, with Riddle uh, going on to face Balor at TakeOver War Games, it looks like Dijakovic is going to make up the, the third member of uh, Team Champa. Um, but uh, once again, a, a really good match and uh, it, it rebuilt. The drama was there, the excitement was there, the big moves were there. As you said, Roddy Strong, he, he's been one of the most impressive wrestlers of 2019, possibly have one of his best years on record. Um but uh, yeah, and uh, a nice kind of ending to the match with a, a couple of run-ins and uh, Dijakovic coming out, proving that he is a good guy after all to save the day. But what were your thoughts overall on this one? Yeah, um, again, it, it's becoming a recurring theme. But yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, whilst it's not Roddy's best match of, of the year, it, it was. It, it did exactly what it needed to do. It, it, it kept the feud going. It kept the feud hot. It, yeah. it that increased that buzz going into war games. Uh, and the addition of uh, Dadge Kovic to that team, who, again, it, it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it kills. It's chills. It's, it's mouth-watering. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. It's, it's, it's dream matches, and there's no other way to describe it. These are the matches that, that everybody wants to see, and, and NXT and uh, just giving them as... And we... I could not lap it up anymore. <laughs> good man, good man. Uh, there's further shenanigans outside of Full Sail with uh, Jessamyn Duke, Marina Shafir and Candice LeRae all getting laid out in the same fashion as Rhea Ripley and Tegan Knox from earlier on. We also get um, a kind of a bit of a cameo appearance from Scarlett Bordeaux, former kind of Impact uh, impacts knockout wrestler. Um, she certainly is a knockout as well. Um, but uh, her first cameo appearance under the NXT banner 
And that leads us straight into our next match, which is Isaiah Swerve Scott, the former Shane Strickland, of course, going up against Bronson Reed. Both of these two were in the NXT breakout tournament from a couple of months ago. Um, and that, that tournament was won by a certain uh, Jordan Miles, who <laughs> who's uh, kicked up quite a bit of storm on, on Twitter over the last few weeks and the last couple of days. But we won't talk about him here. Uh, now, this match was uh, certainly picked up after Scott was thrown over the top rope and to the outside, allowing Scott to uh, uh, drive Bronson and face first into the ring post. Uh, Scott then managed to get a two count from a flatliner. Uh, Reed then flattened Scott with a huge clothesline and then a senton. And with Reed uh, going up to the top turnbuckle, Scott wriggles out of the second rope roar and attempted second rope tombstone uh, attempt before dropping Reed out of the corner with a DDT. Uh, Reed counters with a sit-out spinebuster before getting a two-count from a, a Mori driver, similar to Adam Page's dead eye. And uh, the end of the match came around uh, from a kind of a house call reverse kick uh, and uh, to the back of the head of Bronson Reed uh, by um, by Isaiah Swerve Scott and a uh, hooking the leg to get the pinfall victory so once again I enjoyed this match it was a really good kind of big man little man encounter to be honest with you just my opinion we had a, another big man little man encounter with Roddy Strong and Keith Lee earlier on I probably preferred this match over that one purely because it was a bit fresher maybe and it did have a conclusive uh, finish to it we did have a, a pinfall um, but um, yeah I enjoyed the hell out of this one and um, it's nice to see this newer talent I suppose going back to what you said about AEW, you know, you've got your Darby Allens, you've got your MJFs getting a bit of a spotlight. They're doing a similar thing on NXT with their newer talents and the, the Swerve Scots and the Bronson Reeds. And the Cameron Grimes as well, which I've harped on about on this podcast so many times, certainly getting a, a good go of things, a good shake of things and a good bit of airtime um, since they've gone to two hours. But uh, yeah, your thoughts on this one, buddy? Yeah, um, Shane Strickland is someone who uh, I haven't seen a lot about before he uh, came to NXT, but I have a lot of uh, Twitter friends who absolutely sing his praises and they've, and they've watched him for, for a long, long time and, and they absolutely love his stuff. And, and I'm now seeing why I think he's got immense talent in the ring. I love how the... the the NXT are, are, are building him up slowly. They're not like pushing him too quickly and and letting like the fans get to know the style of of Isaiah Swerve Scott rather than him being coming in and and going straight to the top of the mountain. Um, I think that th- this match, I agree with you again that it was a, a better big big man little man match than the the Keith Lee and and Roddy Strong one. Um, I think Bronson Reed is another kind of uh, talent that that once once he's is got over how green he is, he can be that monster kind of of heel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a great match uh, and a great little uh, push for for uh, Scott. Yeah, he's got quite a unique style as well. I mean, when I first saw him uh, wrestle for Evolve when he was the champion, I kind of saw some highlight packages of him in one or two matches in full. And he's got quite a high, quite a, a hybrid style, uh, a mixture of styles. He's not necessarily a high flyer. He can do a little bit of uh, rough and tumble with the hardcore stuff as well. Um, and he can mix it up with a range of, of characters, as we've seen with the, with the bigger Bronson Reed here. And he has wrestled uh, more uh, wrestlers of, of a comparable size to himself. But yeah, an exciting talent. And like I say, he's got a different style to most of the wrestlers out there. So it'll be interesting to see where that takes him. But he's 
definitely got the, the, the backing and the support of the uh, NXT management. So uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens. And I think he's under that 205 uh, weight limit. So he could be a contender, possibly. We certainly might be. I think he's been on 205 Live as well on, on some episodes. So it'd uh, be interesting to see if he's um, possibly earmarked for a championship match against uh, maybe Leo Rush. That would be a pretty corking match, in my opinion. Um then we get to Kathy Kelly. She confirms that Matt Riddle will indeed re- be replacing Jordan Gargano to face Finn Balor at War Games, um, and uh, that his replacement in the War Games match will be Dominic Dijakovic. So we've already covered that. On to our next match, and it, it was kind of once again a bit more storyline development. It wasn't the match that we were hoping for, but it was going to be a match uh, between Pete Dunne and Killian Dane, um, and uh, uh, with Pete Dunne already in the ring. Killian Dane gets ambushed on the rampway by Damian Priest, uh, and then all three members uh, get into a bit of a heated brawl around ringside. We see Priest take out his frustration on security guards before throwing one of the poor guards over the top rope onto the waiting bodies with a crucifix bomb. Uh, Priest then demonstrates his awesome agility with a, like a, uh, a middle rope uh, step up, step over sent on. I don't know how to describe it. I've only ever seen it for one of the wrestlers, and that's Grand Metalik. But when uh, somebody of the size of Damian Priest does it, it's pretty impressive uh but he lands on to pete dunning killian dane on the outside and uh you know we, we didn't get the advertised match but we certainly did get some storyline development between these three and more importantly we have ourselves a three-way match set up between killian dane pete dunn and damian priest set up for takeover war games i believe so uh well like i say it wasn't a match it was a bit of storyline development but uh, the three of them i mean and i mentioned last week when pete dunn faced damian priest and that was a hell of a match and they had so much chemistry and i think adding killian dane into the mix will uh, add for a pretty exciting hard-hitting uh, uh, match for the fans but uh, can't wait to see this one yeah i agree uh we we know uh, as as british fans that how good uh pete dunn is he he can have a, a brilliant match with literally anyone oh uh, yeah killian dane uh probably the unsung hero of of sanity uh a little bit of a waste when he he went to main roster and i'm glad he's back uh in nxt where he he did some really really good work before he, he left and then damian priest uh when he first came in uh after he'd signed from ring of honor it was another one a bit like Keith Lee where he was having matches, but you didn't see a lot of him. It's almost like he was making up numbers. But wow, this uh, this push that he's been getting, and like I said, the, the chemistry that he's been having with, with uh, the interactions with Pete Dunne, he's looking like a, an absolute rock star. I think he's got a great look. He's, uh, he's really took to this, uh, this Damian Priest character. He's really, really doing well in terms of character development is is in move ring set is brilliant and and yeah it it looks it looks like an absolute star yeah, couldn't agree more. And uh, I, I don't know if it's been fully confirmed yet, but I'm expecting these three to have a match at War Games. Um, but uh, that's only cool. how far away are we from War Games next weekend? Uh, so we're, we're just over a week away from War Games, and that's going to be a hell of a card. And uh, uh, w- 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 I've, I've never witnessed a bad takeover, and I'm sure you haven't either. So I'm expecting big things from this one. And even like the, the Brucey bonus and the kind of extra thing for us is we're going to see more of it. NXT the following on Survivor Series to see how they fare in some of the matches that are being set up there as well. Um, So it's all good as far as I'm concerned. And then on to the main event. 
And uh, oh, sorry, before the main event, it was confirmed on NXT TV this week that Adam Cole will face Dominic Dijakovic in a uh, War Games Advantage ladder match, similar to what we're going to be talking about in a moment. Uh, but uh, for the for the men and uh, the ladder match, Adam Cole versus Dominic Dijakovic, and the winner of that match will get the uh, advantage for their team in the War Games match. So it will turn into a two on one and three on two and four on three for the winning team for the winning winners respective team if i can get my words out properly there but uh, on to the main event and hands down awesome match absolutely loved every part of this uh io shirai versus mir yim and, and similar to what i've just been talking about this was the ladder match uh so the winner will get the advantage um in the war games match the first ever women's war games match which will take place at takeover next week so the, just to set the scene, there's ladders all around the ring. High above the ring is a briefcase, similar to what you might find with Money in the Bank. Uh, the winner being the first woman to grab hold and release the briefcase, winning that person's team the advantage at War Games next week. Um, the, the match was pretty full on from the beginning, with both wrestlers using ladders as weapons, as you would suspect. Uh, there's a, a spot where Mia suplexes Io Shirai onto the ladder, which was laid down uh, in, in the centre of the ring, and that looked really, really painful. Uh, Io Shirai delivers a tiger fake kick a 619 to uh, Mia Yim before dropping her opponent with a flapjack uh, Yim hits a belly to belly suplex sending Shirai into another ladder which was propped up in the corner of the ring Shirai then gets sandwiched inside a ladder um, that, that didn't do her or the ladder any good after that spot uh, Mia Yim then picks up a ladder only to have Io Shirai launch herself into the ring with a springboard drop kicking the ladder hard into Mia Yim's face now uh, this, unlike the the spot earlier with the uh, with Aaliyah and Zia Lee, which we're kind of uh, undecided about, this one definitely looked like it hurt and definitely looked painful. Within seconds, we saw kind of blood uh, gushing from Miriam's nose. I don't know if it was from her from her nostrils or whether it was from the upper part of the nose, but it looked like she had blood coming out of her nose and it was broken. Uh, she had doctors and trainers and officials come in to check on her, um, and uh, yeah, that, that kind of slowed the match down for a few minutes. Uh, but yeah, there was blood literally pouring all over. You can see puddles on the mat. Had the mat not been black, had the canvas not been black, you would have clearly have seen the amount of blood that uh, she lost uh, during that match. Towards the end of the match, Miriam uh, gets bundled to the outside, um, which is where we see Dakota Kai come down to uh, to tend to her friend to see if she, she was okay. Uh, we then get a giant moonsault from Io Shirai from the top turnbuckle onto both Dakota and Miriam uh, on the floor on the outside. Dakota gets involved once again as she enters the ring to drop Io Shirai with a sit-out powerbomb. This then allows Mia Yim to climb the ladder. Uh, and if she's very nearly to the top, very nearly has her hands on the briefcase, from out of nowhere, we get the NXT UK Women's Champion Kaylee Ray. Uh, she storms the area, slams Dakota Kai into the ring steps. Uh, Kaylee Ray then enters the ring and topples Mia Yim off the ladder with Mia crashing over the top ropes through another ladder which was set up at ringside allowing Shirai to scale the ladder and to collect the briefcase giving her team the advantage of the war games match next weekend so uh oh, crikey I, I i think i'm exhausted just talking about the match it was it was it was absolutely amazing and uh i haven't admittedly seen many women's matches but uh, if i have not one of them would be as as good or anywhere near as good as this match i think both women delivered both women kind of showed how tough they were um they they gelled well in the ring the spots were 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 hard and painful um the spot with the ladder going into me face looked painful um but 
as I've always said, any sort of blood you're going to get in a wrestling match adds to the drama, adds to the reality, uh, adds to the excitement. Um, but uh, yeah, I loved absolutely everything about this match. Uh, give us your thoughts on this one. And um, it looked like Miriam took a bit of a, a nasty landing through the ladder um, towards the end of the match. And it sounds like she's actually suffered a bit of a rib injury, possibly a fractured rib and possibly a fractured nose, which could potentially keep her out of the War Games match next week. But um, what, what have you kind of heard about uh, her injuries? And kind of first of all, what's your thoughts on this um, amazing, amazing ladder match? Yeah. Again, um, it's uh, it's like I'm just keep repeating it, but I totally agree with you. I think uh, Io Shirai is in the conversation for being the best female wrestler in the world, uh, uh, probably alongside Tessa Blanchard and Mia Yim. I've loved I've loved her since she first started with NXT, and even before that, I think she's an amazing talent. And working with these great women in NXT have, has has only improved her. Uh, whereas in the first uh, the match between uh, Aaliyah and Zia Lee, I thought that that may be a work. There's absolutely no way. I think that this injury is a work. I think she took that ladder clean in the face, and that is a genuine, genuine injury. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but these two women proved that that given the, the, the opportunity that women's wrestling is easily on par with men's wrestling, they went absolutely balls to the wall, no pun intended. Um, yeah, the introduction of Dakota Kyle, I like that because you don't know whether she's going to be like kind of the, the turn and whether she's going to uh, like basically become the, the bad guy because she's feeling like jealous that she wasn't picked. Uh, and then the introduction of Kayla Ray again, another English or another British talent uh, making their way to the, the 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 main NXT brand. Absolutely perfect addition to that team. Uh, the way she uh, helped Io Shirai, I think that that uh, team Baszler looks absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Um, it's it's just setting up for another great War Games uh, match, and I think this is going to potentially be the best on paper at least, the best takeover in a long, long time. Mm, I agree, yeah. And, and how can they improve on perfection? Well, it looks like the card that they're kind of building for next weekend is definitely improving on perfection. And, uh, I mean, the, the women's war games match is probably the match I'm looking forward to most at the moment. And, uh, you know, the introduction of Kaylee Ray, as you mentioned, that was, uh, that was from out of nowhere. Wasn't expecting her to show up on the scene. The, uh, kind of, is she, isn't she Dakota Kai angle? You know, is, is she going to side? I mean, a lot of people was expecting her to possibly pitch that fourth spot in Shayna's team uh, after being rejected and uh, dejected last week. But then that fourth spot was given to Kaylee Ray. Could she potentially be given Mia Yim's spot if Mia Yim isn't fit enough to to work? There's there's a few a few ways that this could go with Dakota Kai, which makes it very very interesting. Um, so so there's a, a few kind of like uh, fantasy booking scenarios that people will be thinking about between now and next Wednesday or now and next Saturday um, after the match. Uh, Bianca Belair comes out to celebrate the win with Shirai and Kaylee Ray in the ring as their team captain Shayna Baszler comes out to join in on the celebration. However, uh, just then we get the SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey. Uh, she comes out uh, from the back to to flatten the NXT Women's Champion with a chair shot from behind to bring an end to this episode of NXT. Um, obviously setting up her match with Shayna and uh, Becky at Survivor Series the night after Takeover War Games. But uh, just on this closing segment, the uh, 
uh, the champion being uh, uh, attacked from behind with a chair by Bailey. Um, I'll be honest with you, my, my first uh, instinct, and I'm going to say this with a wrong or right, but uh, I thought the chair shot looked very, very soft, and uh, certainly because it wasn't, it wasn't quite in keeping with the rest of the episode. Uh, but uh, Bailey's never been known to kind of lay it in as hard as uh, she possibly could. I don't think her new heel persona is quite clicking. It's not quite the heel baby that we was all that we was all hoping for uh, these last couple of years. But uh, uh, what's your opinion on how? this closing segment all went down um yeah i agree with you that the the chair shot could have been a uh at least made it to look a little bit more vicious uh again i um i think we're so used to a, a a hugging friendly bailey that that the the heel turn hasn't gone down as as well as it could have i don't think the hairstyle helps as well she looks kind of like middle-aged like uh, mum doing the school run rather than like <laughs> rather than like heel wrestler, um, but she's she's been like the forgotten member of this this three way match on on Survivor Series, the, especially with uh, with Shayna and, and Becky kind of taking the the spotlight. Uh, so it, it's good that they've they've like put her back in into that into that picture to show yeah. that she's not just going to be. An, an extra face in in the match um so that I, I do like the way that they the they're telling that story and i also like the way that the 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 two main rosters of raw and smackdown are, are coming across to nxt and then the nxt people are going across to 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 raw and smackdown i really like that kind of like interweaving uh of, of talent i think it's it's only a good thing and it, and it kind of shows that nxt is is being looked at as as on par with with uh, with Raw and SmackDown. Mm, totally agree. Uh, yeah, uh, a really really strong episode of NXT. So uh, laying any of our biases to one side, uh, the sixty four thousand dollar question then, Darren, is what do you think was the better show of the week in the kind of Wednesday night war? Uh, now, just for full transparency, the last few weeks uh, I've gone NXT. AEW and AEW. So the last two weeks for me has been AEW. Um, this week, I've got to be honest with you, I, I've got to flip back and say that NXT was was the better show from beginning to end. And that main event just capped it off a treat for me. Uh, but uh, laying your cards on the table, where are you going this week? Uh, you know, it's so hard because whilst AEW haven't had their best show, it was still a very, very good show. And if that is is the standard that they're going to be putting out on a weekly basis. I can't see how fans can have anything to complain about. And again, like we've mentioned before, it's brought the best out of NXT. And we've had five or six weeks of, of top quality NXT programming. Uh, gun to my head, I would go with NXT being the better show this week, mainly because it's leading to uh, a pay-per-view in a lot, a lot closer than AEW is. AEW is kind of in that that position where they're just starting to build fresh storylines. Where where with NXT we get into like the culmination, the exciting part of of, of the feud. So I think I would give this week to NXT. 
Yeah, you make a good point. And probably the reason why I went AEW the last two weeks was because they were building towards full gear and they were really ramping it up. And a similar story could be told for NXT ramping it up for TakeOver War Games. So, Darren, uh, that, that 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 pretty much brings us uh, to the end of this uh, episode of Wrestling with Jonas. Uh, before we let we let you go, we, we can't let you go without you uh, uh, kind of shouting out any, any social media plugs, any handles, any websites or any pages you want to promote. So uh, now's your opportunity to kind of tell people tell any of my listeners where they can uh, reach out to you say hi uh, learn about your product see some of your products and uh, get in touch with you on social media but uh, do you have any plugs you want to throw out there buddy yeah um, first of all I'd like to say thanks for this opportunity um, when when you reached out about coming on the show yeah I grabbed it with both hands I really I like going on other people's shows I like to talk to people about wrestling and i really do appreciate the opportunity to be on your show um you can follow me on twitter if you'd like uh, i'm usually in some sort of argument or debate on twitter with people <laughs> uh at daj kirby or if you search for mags my name usually comes up um you can i have three podcasts like i mentioned earlier uh, i've got a ufc one called five rounds which you can find out at five rounds pod uh, i've got a Badlands, which where we discuss Mount Rushmore's of wrestling with a guest. Uh, that's at uh, Badlands Pod. And then I've got uh, Why We Watch, which, like I mentioned, is, is kind of my baby podcast. Uh, the one that I hold dear to my heart. It's, it's the podcast where I speak to wrestling fans and creators about how they got into this wacky world of scripted farting many cats <laughs> kind of thing and why they love it so much. Uh, and you can follow that at Why We Watch Pod. Uh, while we watch and uh, five rounds are on the Visionaries Wrestling Network. Uh, that's on every kind of podcast platform you can you can think of: Google, uh, Google Play, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, whichever podcast app you use, you'll be able to find that. And the same kind of goes with uh, with Badlands. That's uh, we recently moved to uh, the Chair Shot. Uh, network which is one of the biggest wrestling uh, websites uh, on the internet uh, absolutely amazing support over there so yeah, you can find that again wherever you find your podcasts well, Darren, uh, thank you so much for helping us out with this week's episode. You've been an absolute star. It's been lovely to get your kind of insight and your opinion. We, we've spoken about so much in this uh, hour and a half, uh, hour and 35. We've, we've spoken about the return of CM Punk. We've spoken about this week's episode of AEW Dynamite and this week's NXT. So it's been an absolute pleasure and a joy to have you on. And I'd love to get you back on for a future episode. So thank you very much. Absolutely not a problem. And uh, it would be our honour to have you on uh Badlands for an episode, uh, or I'd definitely like to hear your story on on why we watch. So we we should definitely uh, schedule that in in the very near future. And if you ever fancy that uh, giving us a review of a UFC show, you are more than welcome on Five Rounds. Uh, I really uh, I love this wrestling community that we've uh, we've all helped build up. And the more the more uh, podcasts that I can I can interact with, and the more people I can have on my show, it kind of brings the scene up. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, again, thank you for for allowing me this opportunity to come on the show. I've, I've really really enjoyed it. 
you're very welcome and i'm definitely going to take you up on your offer of getting one on one of your podcasts but uh, sounds awesome but uh, in the meantime please keep it tuned to the wrestling with john's podcast for all of your weekly nxt uh, aew uh, occasionally we cover nxt uk although uh, since the introduction of aew dynamite that's kind of taken a bit of a backseat and we do cover all wwe and aew pay-per-views and so much more and if you've enjoyed listening to this podcast please don't forget to spread the word tell your friends and tell your family and don't forget to subscribe to the wrestling with john's podcast uh, on whatever podcast platform you listen to this on or maybe youtube uh, so that you don't miss out on a single episode uh, in the meantime from myself and from darren thank you very much for listening have yourself a great weekend and catch up with you all again soon 